Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, CEO and founder of Exaptic, a personal robotics company based in Melbourne. Today I'm chatting to Ruth Rocketwoman Harrison, who is doing great work in helping women get back into the workforce in engineering roles. Ruth, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> Great. Um, we actually tried to get this interview in before the end of the year last year and things got a bit hectic. So um, my first podcast, um, one of my first for the new year. So happy new year to you. And happy new year to you. Yeah, last year it went a little bit crazy towards the end. I think everyone was trying to fit so much in to yeah. the end of 2020. <laughs> I always laugh and I think Christmas is a surprise every year. <laughs> so, so you have a degree in aerospace engineering, but didn't actually work in this field for quite a while. Tell us about your journey. Wow, it's, uh, it feels like it was only yesterday that I finished my degree, but the reality is it was 17 years ago and... Um, when I, I, I'm a huge aviation fan. I've always, I was an air cadet as a kid. I, well, I was always going to go into the Royal Air Force in the UK. That was my, my plan. I even got a scholarship to, uh, to do my um, sixth form studies, which is, I think, year 12 here. Um, and that, that was always, always my goal. And at, at the point of actually making that decision, um, I found out that I couldn't see well enough to be the pilot that I wanted to be. Um, and so I had to make a whole heap of decisions very, in a very short space of time um, and ended up doing the aerospace engineering, which I'd always planned to do. I was just going to use it as a, a way to become a pilot. Um, and then at the end of my aerospace engineering degree um, came a massive downturn in the UK aviation industry. Um, and so there wasn't you know, the graduate roles available for, for me when I finished. Um, and so I went into I actually went into banking for it which was supposed to be a very short term short term role while you know things picked up and the right role appeared um, and so that ended up just taking me down a completely different road then I moved to Australia and um, it became a few years since I'd done my degree and then I ended up in recruitment and so I ended up in engineering recruitment using the knowledge that I had about engineers but not actually being an engineer myself and so I spent the next um, 12 years doing, doing that up until the point where I um, moved on to, to start Rocket Woman. And while I was doing the recruitment, I kept getting asked, where are all the female engineers? Where are all the, the women? And we want more diversity. And I knew that they weren't there. There was, there was some there, yes, but there wasn't, there wasn't any. And I started doing a lot of my own research into why this was. And part of that journey led me to my own journey and going, okay, why didn't I end up as the engineer that I wanted to be? I was desperate to do it. I really wanted to, to be in that, that world and it just didn't happen. Um, and I found out there was a lot of challenges there that weren't unique to me. Um, I remember when I was, you know, job hunting and there wasn't those graduate things, because to me, it was very much about you do your degree and then you, were put, you end up on a graduate program and that's where you learn, you know, you learn the basics at university. And so if you don't get on a graduate program, what do you do? And at the time, my partner said to me, oh, why don't you just go and, you know, go and work as a contractor and go and do some things. I was like, I can't do that. I don't know anything. And so it turns out that I wasn't the only one to feel that I didn't just have that confidence to just go out with, with my brand new shiny degree and just be. Rather, I still felt I had to learn. Somebody had to tell me what to do. And so I, I on that journey, I realized that um, 
there are lots and lots of people out there that have not had the opportunities that they thought they were supposed to have and didn't know what then to do with it. And so that's where Rocket Woman came from, was that I feel and I know that there's, there's people out there that haven't had the careers that they wanted and still want to do them and they still have the capacity to do them. And I want to help them do that because the pathway back is quite challenging at the moment. And a lot of uh, businesses don't necessarily see where where these people could fit so i want to be that conduit to help get those people who have dreams and desires and, and wants and and they want these opportunities they just don't know how to realize them and that's where i want to help so that's a very long roundy story about my journey <laughs> but but very interesting because i the first thing i pick up is that you know graduates are they expected to know everything you know i i think university is a baseline for you to go this is what i know obviously there's much more that i can learn and it's a bit funny you know and i don't know if it's still like that that you weren't prepared with that sort of attitude is you don't know everything but don't worry about it it's not you know, no one knows everything. You, you'll learn on the job as you go. And second to that is that just a female thing that women thought that, or have you got some male counterparts that you knew also went, no, I don't know enough. I can't possibly go into the job um, job market. No, well, that's what I that that was what I realized that as a, as a as a woman, you kind of think that you have to be know everything and have to be perfect before you can go and do something, and and that was definitely that feeling of of inadequacy of that not I don't know enough to just go and contract or go and work in a you know go and do something. Who's gonna who's going to hire me? You know, I need to be on a graduate program because I still need to learn and I still need direction. And there was a huge lack of confidence there um, about what I could do with the skills that I, that I had. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think it was a, um, it was not something that I saw with my cohort from, um, there was a lot more, um, yes, we'll just go and, and do something. We'll go, we'll, we'll use these skills. We've learned loads. Whereas I went out of here going, well, I've just started my learning journey. So I need somewhere to go and carry on learning. Not I've learned everything I need to know. Therefore, I'm going to go and, you know, change the world. <laughs> we should put like a red alert to graduates. Listen, you don't know everything. Don't let that stop. You just go and start and learn. You'll soon <laughs> enough know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And go and have a, and that's one thing I've learned really recently in my life is that, go and have a go, you know, go and do, you're never going to, it's never going to be perfect. So stop trying waiting for perfection and go and have a go at something. And I've learned so much more in the last two years than I think I've learned in the previous 10, because I'm actually prepared to go out there and go, you know what, if this doesn't work, I've had a go, but I've learned so much and I've met some amazing people. And now I can go and use the knowledge that I've got somewhere else. And if it does work, fantastic. Yes, because I think sometimes you earmark a certain thing that you want to do and then you start on the journey only to find out actually this is not what I wanted to do. But if you had waited for, as you call, the perfect moment or the perfect situation to do it, you, you're just wasting time because not only just time, but then you've actually started and you've gone, well, actually, this is not what I thought it was going to be and I don't want to do it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Completely. And And you don't know where what it is that you're actually striving for until you go and you walk in that that journey you go and have a, and then you go oh actually that there's that tangent that actually was really where I need to be but I wouldn't have known that if I'd never started it so rocket women's emphasis is on women who later in life um in their in their career want to enter the workforce again chat to us a little bit about that 
So my my journey was and my realization led me to go, I can't be the only one that's been on this path. Um, and there was a point there where I went, you know what, I can do something about this for me personally, or I can do this something about this for me personally and other people. And I, I'm very much about, you know, helping pe other people succeed. So I was like, let's see if there's something we can do about this. So from my research, I found out that there's significant numbers of female engineering graduates who graduate and never use their engineering degree. And there's also a significant number that graduate, use it for a couple of years and then leave the industry. And so I felt that that wasn't right. There needs to be some way to bring these people back and find out why they left. Um, there's a lot of research into helping, you know, the successful people, but we don't know enough about the people that have left the industry and what's driven them to that and, and how we can get them back. So um, I'm all about finding ways to bring these people back if they've had a five or ten year break you know they've still got skills and they must have had an interest in the beginning so what can we do to harness that and um, the other part of what I want to achieve is that I want there's a lot of emphasis on the younger generation and getting them to um, you know realize STEM as an, as an opportunity but what I found from my personal experience is that the influence is there with the parents, with the people that the kids see every single day, whether it's aunties or sisters or, you know, cousins. And what I, what I would really love to achieve is that every single young girl has somebody in their life, whether it's a cousin or, a, you know, an auntie or a neighbor or something that they can go, oh, this person is you know, they might be a scientist or they might be an engineer or they might be a mathematician, but somebody tangible to them. Um, and so that's that's what I am hoping to achieve with Rocket Woman is bringing opportunity for people who have been in the industry and left and give them an opportunity to come back. Or people who are later in life wanting to pivot their careers into, into STEM. Why is that not an option? Why when, when women want to go back to work after, you know, after having kids or have any kind of break is, you know, let's retrain. Why is engineering not top of that 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 pile why is why is stem not top of that pile um and so i want to find ways to encourage women to go when you're thinking about changing your careers have a think about a career in in a stem related field it doesn't have to be an engineer you could be working for a space company doing you know space communications that's still a career in stem so let's get those people to have those those roles that are meaningful that are challenging that are interesting um, and then we can make it more tangible for the younger generation so from your research, um, what's what's been the answer to women being in the STEM career and then leaving it? What have you found there? Well, what I found is a complete lack of information. Um, there's, as I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of research around, you know, numbers of women in STEM, how many people are doing it, you know, what degrees they're doing and how many people are studying. But there's a there's a dearth of information um, there, but there's there's not the information about where they're going when they do leave and why they're leaving and I think we need to find those women and say you know why did you leave what can we do to make you come back and um, what what was it that you found challenging and so I think that's that's an area that one I'm either interested in doing some research in or the research needs to be done in is actually speaking to the people that have left and get some quantifiable numbers because I've seen um you know figures banded about and one of the figures that did shock me was that um this was from, I think, 2017 or maybe 2015, but it was that within, if we're talking, you know, at the maximum, we've got 24% of women doing various engineering degrees. 
50% of those never use it. So 50% when they graduate, never find their way into industry. And then 50% of what's left have left within five years. So if that figure is even remotely correct, um, it's, it's very, very scary. And we need to find out why that is. And so we need some figures to say either that is, that's right, or no, that's not happening, or what, and it could be worse than that. Um, because the numbers aren't, aren't changing. They're very, you know, you talk to some people and you're looking at, you know, between 12 and 13% of graduates in engineering are female. Um, and then, you know, some are saying it's 26 and it's very course related as well. There's obviously a lot more in biomedical engineering than there is in, in cybersecurity or in, um, you know, uh, oh, avionics engineering. You can't yeah. find avionics engineers for love nor money. Um, so, you know, it's also very, very, you know, up and down as to where that is but we don't seem to be i've never seen anyone say there's 30 percent of female graduates that's you know and that's where we need to be going so we need some numbers to find out where these people are going well it's actually an interesting um point because if you consider how long we've been sitting with this problem of of the numbers of i think the last article i read was touted 36 percent of graduates stem graduates in australia are female but it doesn't say what the dropout rate is so you know it's anyone's guess as you say but um, surely a university or an academic institution would be going, listen, graduates from this is your first year that you're doing your degree, we're going to track you right through and it's going to be a longitudinal study for like 10 years, are you willing to sign up for it and so that we can track and see how you're going. I can't imagine it would be complicated or that hard to do it. Um, I don't think it is, but I think I think graduates are very, not graduates, universities are very protective of their graduates. So finding that information across the country is going to be is going to be challenging. You might get it in one university, but it's it's that research into where are they all going, um, and you know, it's if we can get some kind of collective going, you know, going forward that says, you know we want to track this because we want to make change um, would be, you know, a fantastic proposition. Just, as, you know, where, where are you going and what are you doing? We don't, it, you know, we don't need to know, even know your name. All we need to know is, you know, what, what yeah. challenges you're facing and why potentially you're staying or why potentially you're leaving. So your experience as a recruiter, how, um, like what amount of women came across your path? Like how, how did that all play out for you? Would there be a particular, um your clients saying they particularly want male female or didn't it matter they just want any candidate to rock up for the job um it really depended upon the business um and it depended whether they had a policy in place and it was only you know within the last couple of years before i moved on where it became more common to have a policy in place where people where companies were saying that we have a target you must give us you know two female candidates out of a, a select a panel of you know six or at least one out of three or what have you um and so but the problem with that was that it was very that was it was almost the trying to solve the problem at the last hurdle you know if you're it's all very well saying we want you know these people in our selection panels um but if the process, if the policies aren't in place within the organisation to one, you know, make sure that they're supported and um, to make sure that the policies are there around, you know, flexible working or um, having, you know, re remote working and all those sorts of things, it, it becomes a you, you just burn, burn them out. Um, and so you end up with these people that go, OK, I, 
the, the business isn't for me. And that's how we lose them. So we've got to make sure that the policies are in place at the beginning. And then we end up with it. We need the, you know, we need this panel of, of however, whatever your percentage wants to be. And I'm, I'm a big one for affirmative action. Um, I know over the years, and I've actually changed my own personal opinion on, um, on quotas and, and, and that sort of thing, that we do, things weren't working. And without quotas, it, we need, think people were very much about oh we tried but the reality wasn't that no there was no one pushing them to try because there was no there was no quantifiable standard there to meet so I'm a, I'm a big one on on temporary quotas to help bring up the the the, the people and, and make organizations realize that it is actually quite difficult and you do need to do more than just go oh yeah we we wrote a nice ad that was female friendly well that's not gonna that's not gonna change things so part of what Rocket Woman is also about is helping businesses understand what that looks like, what that employer brand looks like, what they actually need to do to help them bring and retain, because retaining um, diverse candidates is, is, is half, as, half the challenge as much as finding them. But of course, once these companies and management realize that having a diverse um, group of people work for you, you know, you can only, it's just a win-win situation because diversity on all fronts, just the, the literature is there to back it up to say everyone just does better when, when there's diversity. Oh, I completely agree. And I think the last 12 months even have just shown how um, there's so much more data around. I think the um, Wijia, um gender equality, workplace gender equality agency they released a report at the back end of last year I think about September that was just showing all of the um, the benefits to having a diverse workforce and how you know at the end of the day it affects their bottom line and it, it improves the business performance so it's it's not there's, it just seems daft to not even you know go down that road and say oh you know it's too hard because it's not well, I was about to say, that's probably why um, employers go, it's too hard, you know, like typical males are expected to work long hours because like potentially there's a partner, female or whatever at home looking after children and stuff. And, and that's something that couples sort of negotiate. Um, okay, you're going to work these hours and because someone needs to take care of the family. Because I mean, what other, what sort of society are we creating for ourselves when we want to outsource our child raising and caring? Um, that's just my opinion. I mean, of course, of course, there's moms out there that they're happy to do that. But I actually, I think parents are actually tantamount to the well-being of the kids. That's why you have children. Um, what did you do with your own kids? How many do you have, by the way? Um, I have two. My uh, little boy starts school at the end of this month. So he is, that's a, I won't have any at home. You know, they'll be both in school, which is going to be a bit of a, a wrench for me. But part of, you know, part of the reason why I've gone out on my own is because it is still difficult to find roles that you know fulfill the needs of childminding um you know my husband has is actually very lucky that he's actually got he works for a very um flexible employer now um, and part of the reason he left his previous employment was a lack of flexibility that meant that i was always the one having to give up things so that you know someone was at home and so it's a, it's a lot better now but it's still a challenge and even that 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 um I'm going into that that kids at school you know so I need to be available to pick them up and drop them off and you know most most uh, women I see are always looking for that what they call a unicorn job you know that job where they can work either 
before school and after school and during school hours, but they're available that, you know, from seven till nine and from 2.30 till 6.30 or what have you. Um, and they're still very, very difficult to find. And so it's, it's, um, it's, it's helping. What I want to do is help employers understand that you don't need to be working nine to five or, you know, seven till six or whatever it is, you know, three, four a.m. till whatever time to be successful or to be valuable. There are other models that work for getting work done and achieving things in an engineering or a STEM environment. Well, I suppose if COVID has done nothing else, a good side of COVID is exactly that, that uh, for many companies now, like a friend of mine works for an energy company and they've already been told, you know, if you want to come back to the, op the office, it's optional, you don't have to, but um, they've, she's decided three days at least three days um, at the office and two days at home and the, and her team can decide equally and there's enough trust to to expect people are going to do their work yeah, oh it's it and um, it for me covid has gone to show what a lot of bluff has done is that oh it's too hard it's too difficult it's too expensive laddy 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 and all of a sudden they've been able to do it and so uh, it's very interesting to see that the world has changed and um, people's eyes have been opened up to what works and what doesn't and it's been a great um you know experiment on on what works for people and some people like to be in the office and that's fine some people like to be work from home and that's fine um, and i get it that working from home is not for everyone it's not um it's not easy because you don't have that same contact but and you, you can get distracted by the daily chores of the house sometimes you know um but there is there is a happy medium and giving people that option can make people so much more productive so much happier and so much um so much more comfortable in their work-life balance that they get to choose what works and what doesn't for them that they are more productive because they know when they're going to you know part of it is even just people who know that they're morning people versus night people or you know some people work better at first thing in the morning some people need a swim or you know a coffee before they you know and they they work best from 10 till 6 and so that actually helps businesses be more productive because you're working with what works for people so i think you know this has been a huge experiment and i'm just conscious though that there are some of those businesses that are going come back in now let's let's and and it's not you know they're the ones that are going to lose out because people have had their eyes opened and you know there are there's a lot of competition within stem um for 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 people and so if you're not open to that and you're not open to being um you know flexible with your workforce your workforce is going to go elsewhere yeah so i've spoken to two companies one in sydney and one in melbourne about the work that you're doing and i i hope they both contacted you because they they said they were going to I expect um, Rocket Women is now based in Queensland, but I think before long you're going to be um, you're going to have franchises all over Australia because I can see the need for this in other states as well. If if someone in Melbourne say um, wants to get hold of you and they want to discuss, um, you know, maybe getting like an intern. So if if you had a woman come to you that wanted to go back into the workforce, how are you going? How, take me through the steps. How this works. Okay, so the the program itself is 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 that it's it's a it's a I think um, I came across the word returnship, um, so an internship for returners, um, and it's basically a sixteen week fully paid program where an, a business 
so what you asked in your in your notes you asked me what does a business need and a business just needs space and so that space is space to take a risk to take a chance on somebody to say this person is not a fully formed individual as far as this business is concerned but we're going to help them become that person and so it's 16 weeks they take on somebody who has some skills maybe rusty they may be not um they might not be up to date in the latest whatever but they can perform a function they get 16 weeks worth of support from this business they learn that business they learn some you know what's the latest in in whatever maybe a software system or an engineering technique and and at the end of that 16 weeks they have then an option to either continue with that person or to say thank you that was a great experience this person now has some extra confidence they have some recent business they have some recent work experience and then we go and help them find another opportunity that might be another internship or hopefully it would be then a role because once you've got some recent experience under your belt, it's a lot easier for a business to take you on. And so this is a very much a supportive um, program where we help people to one, build up their confidence, because if you've been out of work or you're changing careers, it can be a bit of a daunting prospect. So we help them through that. And then it's working with what we want is businesses that are really supportive to this. Um, and to say, this isn't, this isn't a fully formed individual and um, we want you to help them Brain gain what they need to gain and, and give them an insight into your business and your industry. And so, you know, we're open to businesses that have just have space to take somebody on that do something within the STEM realm. It could be, you know, something building aeroplanes to cybersecurity to, you know, um, biomedical building uh, pacemakers or something. So it doesn't matter what, what they do. They just need to have an environment where they have somebody to support someone to go through a pro process of, of gaining recent skills and experience. So obviously companies working with you, would you, would there be a mentor in the company that takes this person on under their wing, so to speak? Um, do you have like certain expectations that you've already explained to the employers that this is what you, you would hope that they would cover off with the returnee, the returnship person? Yeah, so it would it's tailored to the each individual company so if obviously if we're talking about an aerospace company we're going to be looking for somebody who's either got a huge interest in that space or some experience in that space um, and so that we can we can really tailor meet we meet the needs of both the individual and the organization you know i'm not going to send a, you know a chemist to go and work building aircraft or something unless that's what they're looking for um but it's it's about making sure that that organization one has the capacity and most businesses have some kind of internship program for graduates anyway so it's not going to be overly different for that as long as they've got somebody who can spend some time with them um and and can really we don't what we don't want is them to just go into a business and be left to their own devices oh we expect you to be a fully you know an, an engineer go and do this because that's not what this is about this is about helping and creating and um retrain help in some cases retraining or um but then making sure that these people get a real passion back for the industry and have an opportunity to stay what we don't want is them to be you know scared away and go oh you know it's just like i remember and i don't want i don't want to go back there so it's it is they do need space and they do need somebody within that business to take them under their wing well, I can imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm more, I start with a practical thing, like, what, what are you going to wear to work, you know, because I mean, I'm being a little bit flippant about this, but there are organisations in Melbourne that I know about that women can donate their um, semi-professional, well, professional wardrobe if they're not wearing it for women who are returning to the workforce that don't have the funds to necessarily go and kit them out from the get-go. Um, you know, I can imagine even that would be 
you know, you start and you go, well, you've been out of a corporate environment for 10 plus years. Who knows what's going on in the world out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even things like, you know, PPE, what what do I need to have my own work boots or, you know, what what is being worn worn in the, you know, the businesses of today. So a lot of that is dealt with up front. So we do the the idea is that we will be running courses or um, seminars to go, you know, this is how you get yourself, you know, confident and ready to go go into the workforce. What should your resume look like? You know, how do you answer interview questions, all those sorts of things as well, so that people feel a bit more confident about going into the workplace again um and and actually you know wanting to what what could you go and learn at home what research could you do beforehand what do you need to know about a company before you start there all those sorts of things so it's 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 all about making it very tailored and very um comfortable for these people who are who yeah can be you know don't even know where to start and have you got um have you got any sponsorship from the queensland government are they aware of the work that you're doing um, not at the moment, but I am in I am in talks with a variety of different people. Um, so this is very very early days. Um, things were you know COVID happened to everybody, including mm -hmm. myself. So things have had to be put on the back burner a little bit. But now um, you know discussions are, are underway to try and get. And it's not just Queensland. This is a very much about you know being Australia wide. Some of the biggest yeah. business. STEM businesses in Australia aren't in Queensland. Um, and so we want to we want to talk to those as much as local businesses. I'm just up, I just happen to be up here in Queensland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, look, I mean, I, I think it's it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing. And um, yeah, I, I wish you all success. So for any companies or any individuals listening today, um, if you think your company is someone that could benefit from Ruth's um, expertise, please, I, I will have her contact details at the bottom or in the show notes. So please do reach out to her and mention that you listen to the podcast and you're interested in onboarding a returnship. I like that phrase, your returnship. <laughs> it should be mature ship because I think that, <laughs> I think, I think these women are going to bring their own skills anyway, just because they, they, they mature, you know, they, they're not young, young graduates anymore. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I love it, because there's so many life skills that I think aren't recognized. And I, you know, so many ideas and thoughts that, you know, if we can harness those, we, there's so much that can be used within, particularly within STEM, you know, and, and ways of things that you don't think about when you're young. Um, and, and, you know, just that that experience, I think, is, is hugely undervalued, just life experience, not, you know, job experience is, is valued. But I think, you know, that life experience and the way things work sometimes um, is undervalued. Definitely. So you've just completed a graduate certificate space operations at the University of New South Wales. What motivated you to do this? And um, it, it personally, it sounds a hell of a daunting to me. Like, was it easy to go back? <laughs> I'll start with what, what motivated. So I've been wanting to study for a long time, but I never knew what, there were so many things I wanted to do. I could never pin down what I wanted to do. Um, and due to COVID, um, some, an opportunity came up and I thought, like, oh, you know, that sounds really cool and really interesting. So I'll, I'll go and do that because, you know, everything had pretty much come to a, a, a stop while we all decided what what the new world was going to look like. So I took that opportunity to, to do some study. Um, and actually, from a personal perspective, as somebody who's looking to help people retrain or go back to the workforce, it was actually really useful from a what was going back to university like perspective. Um, for someone who hadn't studied for 17 years um, formally, it was 
it was a very eye-opening, um, particularly going into a world where we're learning everything from our desks in our homes. Um, there wasn't even, you know, that kind of um, ability to collaborate so much. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was very very interesting and, and very challenging. But fortunately, technology also came to the um, the rescue in that. In one of the, the one of my fellow on my course uh, started a WhatsApp group. And so that was actually really useful because that gave us that opportunity to have those little conversations that you would normally have like around the lunch table or, you know, or whinge about this or complain, you know, oh, how's everybody doing? And, you know, oh, I'm just snowed under those sorts of conversations that you need to have just to let off steam, you know, that you sometimes get lost when you're working on your own. So from that perspective, it was it was hugely eye opening about what you can actually do um, from the comfort of your own home and still achieve things. Um, I'm just listening to, you know, the, the, um, the steam off when I've just interviewed um, that I'm a lady that uh, was a mature aged PhD candidate and she said that her absorption rate was a bit slower than her, her younger um, colleagues there, but she said once she got it, she got it far deeper than they had because she could see far reaching implications of things that they hadn't necessarily thought out themselves. So um, I suppose it's a bit of a trade-off, but I'm, after speaking to you, I don't think like, I think you would have just got, yep, I've got all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, there were some, there were some days where I would, because I decided to, to do the whole graduate certificate in one semester. So that was four, four modules. Um, and that was a little bit of a, you know, jumping in at the deep end with both feet and holding my breath kind of opportunity there. Um, so I don't necessarily would recommend that again, but it was, I actually proved I could do it, which was something for me, um, but also for other people to say, look, if you are, because I was interested in it and it was such a valuable learning experience for me that, you know, if you are passionate or keen or something, you can pretty much do anything you put your mind to. As long as you've got somebody to support you or you've got the, you know, the space to do it, you, the, what there's no, you know, the world's are oyster. You know, if you really are passionate about something, you, you just do need to go and have a go. Listen, you've mentioned this a few times now that you 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 have to do it. It's a bit like Nike saying, just do it, you know. Don't, <laughs> you know, I, I often think that, and, and this is a little bit with women, I, and I've spoken about this before, that I think we need, A, we need permission, and B, we need a little pat on our back. So I think when we wake up in the morning, the first thing is I give you permission to do what you want to do and consider yourself patted on the back that you're absolutely wonderful and you're doing an fabulous job and off you go and conquer your world because I think a lot of um we do not not just women I think people generally you know we we held back by invisible fears that we haven't even articulated to ourselves and um you know so what if you enroll for a course and you don't finish it big deal you know you could have got halfway and decided listen this isn't really what I wanted to do but the fact that you've even got that far to do it already like you're ahead of 20,000 other people because you've actually taken the first step yeah, I'm a, I, I, when I was younger, I read a book that um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically somebody saying yes to every opportunity. Oh, yes. And um, whilst I don't say yes to every opportunity because I don't have the capacity to do everything I want to do, and I've learned that the hard way, um, I, do, I do honestly give every opportunity the, of the space to make a, de a decision about it, not just off the cuff that I'm not comfortable with it. Um, I, I've learned that, you know, sometimes 
opportunity presents itself in not the way I expect. And so I have to be open to that opportunity because it's, I might expect it something one way, but it presents itself in a completely different way that I can't, that I might be closed off to otherwise. Um, and also that comes down to, to people as well. I know you've, you've, um, you've asked me later on, but about why, I'm, why I, <laughs> that I'm the president of our local dog club. Oh, no, yeah. no, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> we'll dive into that. <laughs> I do want to say about that. That is that being part of that was never about anything. It was just because I'm the kind of person that likes community and gets involved in it. But one thing I've learned about that is about people, which I did not expect to. From that area, I've learned so much about how to talk to people, how to manage people um, and, and how to lead people. Because before that, I think I was almost a bit scared of people, scared of titles, scared of... Um, people's experience and it always being better or you know are the two that who would want to speak to me kind of um thing but that's completely changed for me now people are people and it doesn't matter how big or how you know important you think they are at the end of the day they're just people who have had experiences um and even the people who you don't think and um you know might you might think are not relevant to what you want to do have some fantastic space to give you and anecdotes or experiences that are so valuable that you can just learn from anybody so my biggest takeaway from apart from just do it is talk to people anybody because everybody's got something that you can just take away and learn from yeah your starting point is someone someone knows more than you that's my starting point there's always someone who knows more than I do I'm quite happy with that I'm very happy with that because teach me I'm open to learn but now just touching on your dog obedience like do you have a dog yourself yeah well the reason I um I've been putting off getting a dog pretty much my whole life and in the end when we moved up to Queensland about four years ago that was on the list we're going to get a dog and of course I had to go and train my dog so I joined the local dog obedience club which I'm now the president of and <laughs> also a, a part-time amateur dog trainer so you know but I've learned so much about people from how people train dogs it's you know yeah it's amazing <laughs> and what type of dog do you have Ruth? Um, she's she was a, a rescue and um, so she's a crossbreed she's part Swiss Shepherd and part Cooley oh clever little dog with um, like that. quite a big dog and yeah. Um, yeah she's she's quite clever but she likes to herd things <laughs> yeah, herd <laughs> the yeah, children. yeah. <laughs> listen I, I agree with you about the um you know two things like you're very involved um in the volunteer basis because you're, you're doing other things as well not just this but it's just because I've got two dogs that that caught my eye <laughs> and um I can imagine you as I said if you started there just as someone training your dog now you're president and now you're training dogs yourself I can watch out the rest of the world now well <laughs> done I think that's great <laughs> so you're also the treasurer for the diversity practitioners association talk to yes. me a little bit about that so the Diversity Practitioners Association is a, um, a Queensland-based organisation. There's, there's similar organisations in New South Wales and Victoria. And what we do is we basically provide a home or for diversity practitioners to get together and talk about what's going on in the world, have, um, you know, bounce ideas off each other. So within diversity, the, the sort of practitioners sort of space is fairly small there's not there's not huge there, well there wasn't when the organization started I think there's a lot more now but it's still a fairly small industry and so you can get a little bit lost in 
um, you know, your own business or your own little world. So it just provides a fantastic outlet for people to get together and bounce ideas. Um, we, we have regular um, events. On, we've been online, um, obviously, the last 12 months. Um, but just get togethers where we can we can talk about what's going on in the industry, what best practices, um, who's who's doing what you know what's working what's not working so it's it's a really great organization for for diversity and they it's a great way of keeping up with what's going on in the, the industry and um and keeping your learning going okay and are there um do you have any papers or like any um maybe talks that we can put in the show notes for people if they're interested in looking at some of the meetings that you've had is it for public that people can have a look um, some of them are, some of them are members only, but I can put in a little plug. We're actually having a mass a joint um, women in STEM event on the 25th of February, um, which will be free for anybody to join, which I'm actually moderating. Um, and so that's going to be with Eon and Neopa, who are the New South Wales and the Victorian and um, sort of they're not branches but comparable organizations to the dpa and so um that i can definitely give you the link to link to that um and share and share that because that's going to be a fantastic event we, we're going to be talking about all of the things we've talking about to, spoken about today and all of the um you know action points and ideas from some great speakers on that panel perfect i will put that in there so do you have a mentor and um following on from that do you think it's important to have a mentor I do think it's important to have a mentor. Um, I do have, I have mentors, various mentors, both people that don't realize they're my mentors and people who, who are active, you know, got that mentor tag. And um, for me, what's more important is that you actually have sponsors and I have a few of those. And what I mean by a sponsor is somebody who actively goes into bat for you. Um, and those are the people that talk about you when you're not in the room. And so for me, those are the people that are really, really important, the people that support you um, and, and really give you guidance about what you're what you're doing, but also from a perspective of what other people uh, other people are doing. Um, and so mentors and sponsors for me are really, really important that, you know, somebody who can basically, you know, the mentor that can say to you, you know, have you thought you know have you actually looked at what you're doing and is it actually working for you um, and you can help you get your head out of the sand a little bit because sometimes when you are focused on an idea you can just you know can't see the wood for the tree so having a mentor is important but as I said I think also having a sponsor and I think people forget that you know you can't be everybody so you need to have those sponsors who can talk about you and support you and um, and help you spread your message as well. Yeah, I think Sue Kaz also got that. Uh, do you know Sue up in Queensland? And they are, yeah, Sue's also got like have sponsors and people that um, that will support you. And I think we, I think you know, I sometimes look at LinkedIn and when people do really well, you know, this little like icon. I'm all for the like icon or what the love or celebration. But I think it's actually more important when you actually stop and actually add a comment or just you know something that you just go that one step further and just actually put a remark there and. Um, you know, I think for many people, myself included, just sometimes you just read something, you just go, it just gives you a little more impetus to go, I'm doing this further when you had some doubts about it yourself. Oh, I agree. And it, even, you know, sometimes I get a little bit shocked because, you know, I, I use LinkedIn in a lot. Um, just the, the people that I randomly just put on, on a post, oh, I love what you're doing. You know, the fact that they've 
they're still aware of you when you because you don't know who's following who in the grand scheme of things do you or whether people are seeing anything but just those little comments or the little comment um I had recently I was talking to somebody and they're oh I'm so excited to speak to you I love I've seen what you're doing all over you know social media and things and I've been following you and I'm like I don't know that because you don't you know, yes, people like things, but you, you don't really read them, do you? you? Just go, oh, that looks interesting, like, what have you. But when people actually actively, you know, make those sorts of comments, it does make a big difference because it it does it does make you feel like you're validated in what you're doing and also that you're um that people are reading the amount of things that you're putting out there or that they are interested in what you're doing and, and are actively following you to see that you succeed. So yeah, it does make a, a massive difference. Just those little, yeah, great, well done. Yeah, it is. I, I agree with you. And I, I, um, I think LinkedIn is very much like a communal, um, you know, platform where you do have to interact, you know, you can't just look at people's stuff and not comment or it is good, but it's, it's more good from the point of view, the value that you're adding to the person as, as discussed here. So in closing, do you, do you have any um, message out there for all our ladies wanting to return off from a little hiatus of either doing raising kids or for whatever reason they're thinking of coming coming back into the workforce um just do it I think is my new, my, my new. <laughs> but on, you know, on a more serious note um one feel free to to look at look me up on LinkedIn um and connect with me I'm more than happy to have a chat to anybody um but the other thing is just work out what it is that you actually want to do and if it is something you go oh it's too hard or it's too scary don't just stop there. Actually do a little bit of research into what that actually looks like. You know, it might not be as scary as, as you think it was. If you'd have asked me even eight months, no, let's say 10 months ago that I would be doing, a, I've actually signed up to carry on and do the master's now in space operations. So I'm still going to be studying for another 12 months um, that I would even be studying space. I would have said, what do you want about you crazy? Um, and so, you know, that's, sometimes life just happens and we have to you know have a go and just go you know what yes it's going to be challenging or yes it's going to be difficult but you know if I don't have a go I don't actually know whether that's going to be true or not um, and so I think my message to anybody even thinking about even just changing careers or doing something a little bit scary just take that first step because you just don't know where it's going to lead you. Even if it's just a little bit of research to prove to yourself that you were right in the first place, then you've proved it to yourself. But you might actually find out that there's something else there that's worth, you know, worth having a go at or worth looking for. Oh, it's brilliant advice, Ruth. And equally so for any companies out there um, wanting to um, try uh, Ruth's um, uh, return to work initiatives, please do um, reach out to her. Ruth, is LinkedIn the best place or other contact details that I can put up? Um, look, if you search for Rocket Woman, you'll find me. That That's me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I don't do TikTok. I'm sorry. Um, that's just not, <laughs> that's that's just not for me. But, um, you know, you can find me, search for Rocket Woman. Um, Rocket Woman AU. S, Oz is my handle on most things. So um, yeah, just, just look me up there. But LinkedIn is as good a place as any. I'll, you'll, I'll put your uh, your profile up there anyway with the show notes. So Ruth, thank you so much. I, I wish you just all the very best. And um, as I said, anyone I've spoken to and I've thought, oh, this is applicable to them. I've certainly said 
um, you need to contact Ruth. So you'll, you'll be getting more emails from me going another introduction and off you go and do what you need to do. So listen, and may 2021 be just an absolutely phenomenal year for you. Thank you. And you too, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Bye. Bye.